The Jets GM Joe Douglas spoke last week. Did you see it? Did you hear it? It wasn't on TV. It wasn't on the radio. For whatever reason, the Jets chose to hide it and make it difficult for us to get. But we're talking about it on the Brandon Contis Jets podcast right now. Contis. I am a Contis. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty, nice job as always with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contis Jets podcast on SB Nation, episode 27 of my first ever sports podcast, where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, I just put in another podcast. But congratulations on Jamal Adams for being named first team All-Pro, certainly deserved. He was a bright spot on a bad team, and he was very helpful and instrumental and getting the team to turn their season around and go 6-2 and two in the second half, so give him credit for that. He went on an absolute tear after the trade rumors around the deadline and played like the best safety in the league, played like one of the best players in general in the league. He dominated and won the Giants game for the Jets. It's rare that you could say that a safety was the MVP of a team, but Adams was, and hopefully the Jets and Joe Douglas pay him and keep him here for a very long time. As for who we thought had a very good chance of being the Jets' offensive MVP heading into the season, Le'Veon Bell, 789 rushing yards, 461 receiving yards, 1,250 total yards from scrimmage on the year. And as much as I do believe Adam Gase did a bad job, did a very bad job of using Le'Veon Bell, as much as I do believe Adam Gase does not want Le'Veon Bell here because Gase wants a running back by committee on this team, he doesn't want a bell cow back, and as much as I believe Gase was wrong, for not attempting to make Bell more of a focal point on this Jets offense. And wrong for not turning Bell into a crutch for Sam Darnold the way Saquon Barkley was for Eli Manning last year. I do think Bell is also in part to blame for his disappointing season, his very disappointing year. Bell's numbers were nearly half of what we expected out of him. I don't think it was it was it wasn't crazy to hope for 1,400 yards on the ground from Bell and 2,200 yards overall. Those were numbers that we were used to seeing from Bell during his time in Pittsburgh. And at 27 years old, with fresh legs, similar production seemed attainable heading into this season. So yes, Adam Gase could have done better. Gase could have put Bell in a better place to succeed. And the offensive line was brutal and did not do Bell any favors. But getting 245 rushing attempts and averaging 3.2 yards per carry? Plenty of that falls on Bell as well. It can't all be on the coach. It can't all be on the offensive line. At some point, you need to make the most out of the opportunities that you're given, and Bell did not always do that this year. That being said, Adam Gase again screwed up when he was asked about Bell and asked about him being here next year when the season concluded last week. Do you want him back as your starting back in 2020? He's under contract for three more years. You can ask Joe tomorrow. Do you want him back? You can ask Joe tomorrow. I'm not the personnel. I'm charge personnel. Saying that he signed for three more years, telling the reporters to ask the general manager on Tuesday, saying that he's not in charge of personnel. You, you can't make some sort of comment that you'd like him to be here? Some sort of comment that he's good for the team? Some sort of comment that he's a talented running back and would love to keep working with him? And would love to see him develop with Sam Darnold? Even if those things are not true, which we know they're not, he's made it clear that they're not. If Joe Douglas now calls the Seattle Seahawks in the offseason and says Le'Veon Bell is on the market... All that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have to do is play cuts of Adam Gase talking about Bell and make it clear that they know the Jets head coach doesn't want him here and that the Jets head coach believes that he's overpaid and believes he's overvalued because Gase has made that clear time in and time out. So where is Joe's leverage to deal Le'Veon Bell if Gase doesn't want him here? He doesn't have any. 
Gase wants Bell gone, but he's not making it easy for Joe Douglas to do that. Personally, I want Bell here. I don't like the idea of paying him to play somewhere else, especially when I know that in a better situation, with a better head coach, with a better offensive line, with a chip on his shoulder, with better culture, that Bell will have a better year. The other thing, when Gase says, ask Joe Douglas tomorrow, and by tomorrow he meant last Tuesday, why did the Jets hide that press conference? Why was Joe Douglas not front and center like most general managers are? Like Dave Gettleman was for the Giants. And look, Douglas is not going to move the needle with anything that he says, and he certainly didn't do that on Tuesday. The plan is to create the best culture in sports. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, you know, I think... Uh, you know, the best cultures, it's a, it's a self-sustaining entity where professionalism, leadership, it's transferred from one generation of players to the next. And uh, you see that in every great team. Every great team has that culture, and that's what we're going to try to create here. You know, um, what is it going to take? It's going to take people with the right level of commitment, character, and competence. You know, every person, every player that we bring into this building, they're going to be assessed on their fit, uh, within our culture and their ability to help us achieve our ultimate goal, which is to win a Super Bowl year in and year out. So, Neither Joe Douglas nor Adam Gates are ever going to win a press conference in New York. They're not necessarily going to lose it, but let's face it, the Jets are a very long way away from the days of Mike Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan. We went from Mr. T and Rex, who were always an entertaining listen, and they still are, to John Idzik and Rex, where it was 50-50, to McCagnan and Bowles, who offered nothing and were incredibly boring, but at least they were not going to lose a press conference. And now we have Douglas and Gase, where Douglas is boring but won't lose a press conference. And then the best-case scenario for Gase is boring because he can, and he has lost press conferences. But where was the Joe Douglas press conference? Because you have Dave Gettleman from the Giants airing live on Yes and on WFAN, with cuts also being made available on social media. Then Gettleman goes around and he does interviews on WFAN Thursday and an interview with ESPN Radio Thursday. With Douglas, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything. You'd be hard-pressed to know he was even speaking. It wasn't on their TV network, SNY. It wasn't on their radio network, 98.7 ESPN. He didn't go around and do anything with ESPN or with WFAN afterward. It was on Twitter. It was on the Jets' website. I think that's it. I, I didn't even realize he was speaking at first. I, I didn't know where to find it. I saw the videos the Jets were posting on Twitter afterward. I, I saw the tweets from Meta, Costello, and Samini trying to update us on what was being said. But I'm not sure why the Jets chose to try and hide the pressure and why, why they haven't put him on a media tour yet since the season ended. I, I know this isn't his team. Uh, this isn't the team that he assembled. He wasn't here much of the offseason last year, but let's at least see how he does in those informal radio settings, answering the questions as to why your coach hates Le'Veon Bell, answering the questions as to how do you possibly expect the volatile personality of Adam Gase to last more than another season in New York, but instead we get just some Twitter videos. And I also, I hated the, the company line of we want to build a positive culture and act like finding character guys is priority, priority number one for the Jets or for any team or for any general manager because we know that's not the case. The only thing that builds positive culture is winning. So when I say that Le'Veon Bell can succeed in a better culture, I mean a winning culture. If a team is winning, everybody gets along. The players get along with each other. The players get along with the coaches. They get along with the media. They get along with the fans. They get along with ownership. When a team is losing... The positive culture is tossed out the window. You build a good culture through winning. 
Teams do not care about character when they're winning because talent gets placed above character. And every team assumes that any personality could fit into their winning culture. You're trying to build a winning organization, and that's it. Every GM acts like culture and character are priority number one, but impact players are always going to get second, third, fourth, fifth chances, which is why if the league cleared Antonio Brown today, he would have been scooped up. Anyway, maybe Joe Douglas will be on ESPN Radio sometime this week. I'm recording this on Saturday, so if he already spoke, I apologize. I'll get another podcast up reacting to that soon. As soon as he does speak, I hope he speaks soon. But let's take a quick break on the Brandon Cottage Jets podcast. When we come back, we get into the meat of this podcast. Back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Last week I mentioned the interesting dynamic of the relationship between Manish Mehta of the Daily News and the New York Jets head coach Adam Gase. And I like having this sort of back and forth between team and beat writer. I think it's entertaining. I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating at times to watch play out. I enjoyed it when Frank Isola was with the news covering the Knicks and was banned by James Dolan from attending pressers. I thought it was interesting and fun and unique to have a beat reporter that did not get along with the Knicks covering the team. This one with Meta and the Jets is probably the most heated team beat reporter relationship since Omar Minaya accused Adam Rubin of lobbying for Tony Bernazard's job back in 2009, which was a crazy press conference by the New York Mets uh, over a decade ago. But I never could have guessed the turn that this story was going to take late last Sunday night into Monday when KFC Barstool questioned if the possible burner account that was uncovered by Meta and possibly connected to Adam Gase having a Twitter burner account was actually created and ran by Meta himself. So real quick, a burner account is a Twitter account ran by somebody that is trying to make themselves look good. And I understand that most people listening to this podcast understand a burner account because this is not radio. You get a younger demographic listening to podcasts. But just in case, a Twitter account ran by somebody that is trying to make themselves look good is a burner account. So in Adam Gase's case, If he had a burner account, it would be an anonymous Twitter account that is always liking positive posts and liking positive articles about Gase, or it would be defending Adam Gase from negative posts and from negative articles. And it essentially, it's essentially Gase attempting to make himself look good on social media. Now, apparently the alleged burner account accidentally posted an article written from Meta and then immediately deleted that post, making some people to believe that Meta was running the account to make it look like Gase had a burner account and furthering Meta's assertion that Gase is sensitive and unstable. I don't think Gase has a burner account. I don't believe him that he doesn't use the internet and that he doesn't read anything about him or listen to anything about him, but I also don't think that he cares enough about how he is viewed about his public perception to have a fake Twitter account. I don't think Gase is a good head coach, but I I do think that right now I think his focus is on building a winning team because that's what's going to save him next year. Defending himself on Twitter will not save his job. So no, I I don't think it was a burner account from Gase. I also don't think Meta was running a fake burner account for Gase. I think Meta is too smart to do something like that. He has too much to lose in terms of journalistic credibility to do something like that. And if he was running the account, I don't think he would have screwed it up so quickly. What I do think 
is that this is now going to encourage fans of the Jets or of other teams or of just people in general that are bored in general. I think it's going to encourage people to run fake burner accounts for celebrities. Burner accounts were a thing in 2019. Watch out for fake burner accounts in 2020. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if Trump has a fake burner account in a few months, or maybe even Mike Francesa. Although they both regularly sing praise for themselves on their regular Twitter accounts already, so I don't even know if they need a burner account. I, I was number one for 30 years, okay? The best thing Adam Gase did was ham Peyton Manning a cup of coffee. I... Here's what I do think is weird, though. Meta hasn't addressed it. He, he hasn't addressed the burner account at all. He's just ignoring it. His mentions on Twitter are nonstop with the burner account allegations. Everything that he posts Jets-related has hundreds of Wyatt replies, Wyatt being the alleged burner account, also the name of Adam Gase's son. If I'm Meta, I just say, no, it wasn't me. I say something. He was he was supposed to go on with Moose and Maggie on WFAN, and that got canceled because the Daily News wouldn't let him address it. At some point, something, though, needs to be said, especially if he's going to keep ripping Adam Gase, which I hope he does, because I like having that back and forth between the team and beat reporter. I like hearing both sides. I like hearing some writers be positive. I, I like having some writers defend Gase, and then... Others criticizing him with Meta being the critical one. And again, th that's what makes this so interesting. Because Meta was at first, he was Gase's biggest cheerleader. A year ago, he acted like the Jets hired a genius. A year ago, he acted like the, the, the Adam Gase was the best thing to happen to the New York Jets since Bill Parcells was brought in. Six months later, he's doing everything he can to kick Gase out of New York. He writes a, a takedown article, and nobody cares. He accuses Gase of being insecure, being sensitive, unstable, not liking the fan base, not caring about anything except his guaranteed dollars. He paints this awful picture of an awful coach, and the story gets buried. Imagine if this story came out about Mickey Calloway last year. Imagine if it came out about James Dolan or Phil Jackson when he was with the Knicks. The media would have ganged up on them and done whatever they could do to have them ousted. Meta writes it about Adam Gase, and it gets brushed aside. So in less than a year, Meta goes from being Gase's biggest supporter to his biggest detractor. How come? And did Adam Gase shut the door on one of Meta's sources? It would seem so. It's certainly possible. I would say probable that that happened. Gase probably doesn't give Meta the inside information that he got when Bowles was here. Is, is Gase really that bad of a head coach that he deserves all this criticism? Is he that bad of a leader that somebody could go from being cheerleader to enemy number one in a matter of months? It's also possible. I think the media knew that there was no chance Adam Gase was going to be fired after one year. I said this last week, so everybody not named Manish Mehta decided to try and save their sources and save any good rapport that they built with the Jets head coach rather than trying to go the other way. But I think at some point Meta has to address this. I also, I don't think that Meta can now let these burner account rumors change who he is. If he now takes it easy on Adam Gase going forward, then it's obvious that he did something wrong. I don't think he'll do that, and I hope he doesn't do that, because I think that Manish Meta is going to consistently breathe life into what is about to be another very long offseason for the playoff list New York Jets. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Cottis Jets podcast on SB Nation. Stay tuned for more episodes, and as always, big up.